Welcome back to the Not Rich Yet podcast, where we have meaningful discussions on all things money, entrepreneurship, and leadership. My name's Jasmine Seknanen. I'm your host. I'm a financial journalist, and I have about six years of experience in the media industry. I am starting the week off really strong with another great podcast conversation with a founder. Her name is Paige Say. She is in the process of launching a beverage company. She's based in Canada and has a background in content and marketing. But today we're going to talk all about her company and hear a little bit more about her journey and where she's at now. Paige, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Such a fan of you and everything you're building. Thank you so much. So we're going to start things off uh, with with a little bit of background info. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about your business and what inspired it. Yeah, so I am like one of those people that have always, always, always wanted to start my own business. I feel like it was a blessing and a curse to really like kind of grow up in like the girl boss era of like founders are like rock stars. So for as long as I can remember, that was like my dream was like to start my own business. I've had many ideas that I liked, but none that like really like lit a fire within me. I um, got my bachelor of commerce and my program here in Canada was actually very cool, very hands-on. And I kind of majored, they called specialized, but I majored in entrepreneurship, which was really fun. And I just had the chance to meet so many amazing people through that. Um, graduated, kind of got a dream job in media, which was so much fun. And I kind of thought I would be there forever. Like I was like, okay, I don't know if I ever need to start my own business. I I just love this. Like I'm happy to, happy to be an employee <laughs> and that is fun, but it kind of, I don't know, it burns me out quick. Like I, I really do know, like I want to start my own business. Now I am. So that's been so fun, but I had this idea in the summer of actually a tech company and I was working on it, um, not full time, not even close to full time, but I was doing tons and tons of chats with different tech founders to talk about the idea, all the things. And we were like pretty fired up to like go with it. And then I got this advice from someone that I really, really trust this tech founder and a really big investor um, within my network, who's done amazingly for himself. He owns like 150 companies. Like I, his word is law to me. He's brilliant. But he said, he's like, I know you, this is not your first business. Your heart is not in this like tech. This is so expensive. The timing isn't right. Kind of just like kindly told me to not do this right now. Um, which was like, not the feedback I'd gotten from everyone else, which everyone loved the idea. It was just kind of the timing and I'm so glad. But I would say if you have a business idea, that is like the smartest thing you can do is just talk to founders within that space because they'll, they want to help and they'll give you the real, but kind of in that process, I had a friend of a friend who she has a food blog and she would always kind of like post about starting this company. It was very nondescript. She was my friend's roommate actually at the time. And I just slid into her. We, we knew each other. We'd see each other at parties, but we weren't like friends. And I just slid into her DMs and I was like, I'm starting this business. I saw you did this incubator, would love your take on it. 
So I was looking into this incubator program and she was telling me about her business and which was pre-launch. Um, and I just loved it. And I loved chatting with her about entrepreneurship. We just like really became so close so quickly um, and kind of pivoted on her idea. And I was going to just start out working on the tech company and help her out in marketing, like not as a founder at all, like really just like first employee helping her um, because I loved it. And then I got that advice on the tech company. And at first I was like, so crushed. I was like, oh my God, what? Like, I was so like fired up on this. And then it gave me some time to pause and realize I had something really cool going with Julie, my now co-founder. So we kind of worked it out and like pivoted a bit on the idea of her original idea, um, which is really fun because I feel a little bit more like I have ownership in it beyond just jumping on her idea. Um, but now we are like 50-50 full co-founders, hopefully launching in April. Um, and it has been so much fun. It's kind of a combination. I mean, I haven't, I've had to change the name a few times and we haven't had to like do our big, big order or anything like that. So it's not the end of the world, but I'm like, I'm not going to publicly talk about the name until it's like hundred <laughs> percent, but it's essentially like blending two drinks that we really, really love and kind of two benefits that we really, really love, um, ingredients that we love that have really helped our like mental health, our focus, anxiety and ADHD specifically. Um, so we're so excited about it. That sounds incredibly exciting. And before we jump a little more into that, I'm so curious. You said that you were talking to these tech founders. How did you nurture that relationship? Because I feel like, um, at least for me personally, and I'm sure many other people uh, probably feel the same way too, but for me, I feel like I'm so good at you know that initial connection with people and then it's like I say like okay I'm gonna keep this relationship going I want us to be like best friends I want us <laughs> to like always support each other and then like I don't know like a few months later it's like it kind of drops off so how did you keep that working relationship going with Julie or with the founders sorry that I was talking to oh with the tech founders you were talking yeah. to yeah so during university, I got this advice, and I think it was like the best advice I ever got, that you really should just leverage your position as a student and do so many like chats, anyone will talk to you, which I did, and it turned into my podcast, all the things. So I had luckily like a bit of a re good reputation, <laughs> I was like, reputation, that sounds so bad, um, good reputation in town, which is really, really nice, and the city that I live in is a real like tech hub. So I'm kind of able to like still like piggyback off of that student reputation. Um, but what I always do, which has been, I think it serves me really well with all of my networking, but when I do a call or a chat with anyone like in person, online, whatever, sometimes it is awkward in person when you're like, who buys the coffee? I feel bad. I feel weird, but I always follow up like the next business day or like the next coming Monday and send like a $15 Starbucks gift card to like thank someone for their time. And then I am just like such a LinkedIn hoe. Like I comment on everything. I just really love to like be a part of celebrating people's careers um, and just being like an engaged like member of their like communities. Cause I think right now, like any founder is probably trying to like post online and be, be more active there. And then I got this advice from 
oh my God, I cannot remember her first name, but the intern queen, she's so wonderful. Um, but Lauren she, Berger? Yeah, yeah, Lauren Berger. Love her. Oh my gosh, she's the best. Um, but she gave me this advice of having kind of like a spreadsheet of everyone that you kind of network with and then having like reoccurring calendar notifications almost to stay in touch, to send an article, do something every six months to kind of stay top of mind, which I think has been really, really good advice. But with those founders, like those tech founders specifically, people are honestly just like so willing to help out. Like now we do calls all the time with different like beverage or food founders and people are just like so happy to help. Like the amount of like resources that we've been like shared, it's just incredible. Like especially founders, I think are so willing to help. I love that so much. That's fantastic advice. And as you were saying this, it just occurred to me that another cool way to, I guess, keep in touch and stay top of mind with the people you connect with could be to send like a virtual like holiday card or a virtual like happy new year's card or, or uh -huh. even just an email saying happy new year or happy holidays. Totally, totally. I got um, a guest I'd had on the podcast actually like earlier in December last year, reach out and was like, Paige, what's your address? And then they sent me just like a holiday card, like a simple holiday card. Um, but it was like the sweetest thing. And now I am just like so engaged in all of her content. I think that's, it's like so simple and like kind of old school, but I think it's really, it goes a long way. I love that. And it's so personal too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So Fantastic advice right out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> kind of all over the place, but hopefully there's something that sticks. <laughs> so jumping back uh, into your beverage company, uh, did you do any sort of market research uh, beforehand to make sure that, you know, there was a need for this or people were interested in this type of beverage? Yeah, so definitely I'm very like in tune to the space and kind of always have been like I'm super into like CPG, obviously female founders, like I, that's my whole world. So I'm I'm pretty like in tune with what's kind of going on in the market. Um, but I did do or we did some like pretty specific market research. So it's hard. It's like twofold where obviously you want to like listen to the market and build something that like people actually want. But it's so hard in the early days to not get like super bogged down by everyone's thoughts on like just kind of menial stuff like names and things like that like obviously we want the name to like resonate with people but we are just getting so much unsolicited advice but what we did for market research was a survey monkey posted it everywhere we ended up getting like 2,000 responses which is awesome but just kind of on like the key problems that we're solving. So typically kind of the, the problem that we're solving is around stress relief and natural stress relief and kind of a natural energy drink more or less. So asking some pretty like poignant questions around that, which we were very like excited and surprised by the results kind of leaning. Uh, this is probably like our own confirmation bias, but leaning exactly where we'd wanted to. So we've been able to use that like research and pitch decks and when like talking to different like suppliers and things like really showing that the problem is real. So I would say that is a really good first step. But I think if you have something, it's it's so hard. It's like twofold. It's like, if they make it, they will come. But is that true? Like, I don't know. You do want to solve a real problem and invest that time. But I feel like it's easy to 
really just get like a yes from everyone that you talk to, like your friends and family, like they're just going to be like, oh my God, love it no matter what. So kind of just like going with your own to intuition too. I think um, that market research was great, but then talking to beverage founders, beverage like investors, like food and beverage kind of the space because they know a lot more like macro, like, or sorry, a lot more micro, like what's really going on in the industry um, where we can think we have something like revolutionary, but they'll have kind of the insider knowledge on other stuff. So talking to founders again is like, like so much gold advice. Like it'll be like an hour and we'll have everything, everything that they say is like a hundred percent quality advice. That's such an interesting point because like, I definitely, you know, see the the advantages of like polling people you know and just like anyone who's within your network um like that consumer perspective is so important because those consumers are hopefully going to be your target customers and yeah. then one thing we study with behavioral economics is trying to figure out well you know there are some instances where sometimes consumers don't always know what they actually need yeah which i'm sure yeah with like the space totally it's like or functional anything it's kind of like educating consumers as well so we were like pretty specific with the questions that we were asking but yeah it's so true like you know what you're working on and you kind of yeah better than anyone else where if you get too invested in the opinions of people that obviously matter but like maybe won't even be your target like market anyways is i think yeah really important Exactly. Sometimes there's that, I guess, noise, which I believe was the word you used earlier. Um, there's sometimes that noise when it comes to what is a good idea, uh, who actually fits the demographic you're targeting, and yeah. how much should you listen to, I guess, quote unquote, outside opinions. Yeah, exactly. So once you had that market research down and you felt pretty good about uh what people were telling you what was that next step for starting your company yeah so this is where having a co-founder is so nice because you're able to have someone that really keeps you accountable like it's like having a gym buddy where it's like every like morning or every monday at the bare minimum we'll do a call on like kind of priorities for the week so I think a lot of people don't really get past this like idea phase and don't even really know where to start, but having a co-founder, it feels almost like a school project or something where you're like, okay, well, we have to figure this out. Like I have another person like counting on me. So we, um, Julie, I'm very, very lucky. She has a background in like recipe development. So this whole world was like a little bit less obscure to her, but again, like talking to founders, can't preach it enough is like the best advice because people will help you like intro you to different suppliers and manufacturers but once we so you're kind of doing this in tandem of that market research because I think that honestly might still be open that had been like months of kind of just really validating it with them but we felt pretty like intrinsically that like this was an idea we wanted to move forward with either way so Julie started on recipe development so really just in her kitchen like the ingredients that we wanted the flavor profiles that we wanted um, now we're obviously like bringing on like co-packers and like professional kind of, yeah, professional like makers, I guess you would say, um, to, to really make it happen. Um, and then on my end, I've been working on like the brand, the marketing, the packaging, and kind of like the logistics there. 
And um, that's been a lot of fun. But again, that's a spot where like you can totally get bogged down with opinions. Like people will send me like screenshots of like packaging that they love, like unsolicited, which is so nice. Like I appreciate that I'm like top of mind, but sometimes I'm like, okay, <laughs> like I have too many thoughts to consider that I want to just like kind of go with what I think is like inherently right. But yeah, like when talking to other founders, I think the biggest thing that I've really realized is like, it's all just like cumulative little steps that you think don't matter that actually build something. And no one knows anything. Like no one has like the secret playbook of like finding a perfect manufacturer or like the great like fulfillment. Like no one knows. It's it's easy enough to figure out by talking to people or just Googling, but you like anyone can like start something without any experience in like manufacturing or like consumer packaged goods that like the barrier to entry is so much lower than you think. I think people get bogged down in like the thoughts around it and just like overcomplicating it, but just like one foot in front of the other makes it all happen. So yeah, that's kind of been like our first steps to really like bringing it to life. And I love that you brought up um, the idea of these small steps because number one, I'm definitely that person who gets stuck in that idea phase where I'm like, oh, I love the idea of this, but like now how do I get to that like finished thing? Um, and number two, I actually read this in Atomic Habits by James Clear, love but amazing book. I can see why it's always recommended for uh, people who want to start businesses or people who just want to like reach their financial goals because in his book and pretty early on in his book too, he talks about this idea of making 1% daily improvements, yeah. you know, which is essentially what you were talking about, having one foot in front of the other, just keep on going, keep on doing those small things every single day, because those small things will eventually get you to that big wave of progress where it feels and looks to other people on the outside as though you were this overnight success when in reality you've been spending every single day for months and months and months just doing the small things yeah a hundred percent right and it's like just like one conversation will lead to the next thing where it's like yeah the analysis paralysis where like so many people like I've done it with so many things you just get stuck in the idea and you're like okay well I don't know how to make it happen. It seems very complicated, but everything is figure outable. That's one thing my, one of my mentors always used to say is everything is always figure outable, which I think is great. Like there's no problem that can't really be solved here in like 2023, 2022. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And even with me starting this podcast, like I talked about it for like months yeah. <laughs> and like thought about the idea of it for so long and then one day I actually sat down and I was like okay I'm gonna make an email address for this podcast okay. <laughs> and I did that and then I'm like okay I'm gonna create a list of people who I would like to talk to for the podcast and you know it was every single day of just doing a little bit for the podcast um each day, making sure I made some sort of progress because something is a lot better than nothing. And 100%. now here we are. <laughs> totally. And I think you, I'm sure you can relate to it with the podcast, but in the moment, it might not feel like you're, you're like actually contributing or doing much. You're like, okay, like when will this even come together? But you look back at like weeks and months of 
growth and the things that you've, I'm sure, accomplished. And that's how I feel with the business too. It's like, I look back and I'm like, wow, like it was just an idea. And now we have like this and this and this, where in the moment it was just like, felt like small actions that were never going to really go anywhere. For sure. And so when it comes to starting a beverage company, I feel like there are some challenges and some red tape that are probably not as present when starting other types of CPG companies. What were some of the challenges or big things you had to be aware of um, just from like a health standpoint and a food standpoint <laughs> with yeah. your company? Yeah. Well, there's so much. Yeah. That it's like, it's, it's interesting. It's like twofold where it's a lot of times we're like, oh, it's, it really is that simple. Like we'll talk to founders that literally started in their home kitchen and like made it happen. Like it actually was in like shelves, like the product that they made in their kitchen. And then sometimes we're like, oh my God, this is so intimidating. One of the things that we didn't notice or didn't, yeah, like who would have known this? We wanted it. So we're still in like recipe development, getting all of our samples in. So we'll see what actually hits the market. But originally we really wanted it to be still and not sparkling just because we are like, there's so much sparkling out there. And honestly, like it makes me like burp. Like I just like, I'm not a pop or like a soda pop drinker. Like I just drink like water all the time so I wanted something still and like all my favorite drinks are still so when we were talking to manufacturers not a lot of them are co-packers not a lot of them actually do still because in a can if it's still you need to nitro dose it or add some kind of like gas I guess to the top in between the liquid and like the top of the can so the can doesn't collapse so that's a very interesting like niche problem that we were like oh why is everyone sparkling that's probably why everyone is sparkling so if we want to like make it happen we have to bring on like a whole another kind of point in our supply chain and bring in a nitro doser which is not the end of the world but it's like those random little things that we have no idea um in terms of all of the health stuff we're actually bringing on a naturopath to kind of be that like consult so we've been like doing as many calls as we can and obviously like following all the regulations we're lucky that we're based in canada because canada is like really really tight on restrictions whereas the u.s it's pretty loosey so if we can make something happen in Canada, we're kind of set for the rest of the world. Um, but bringing on that naturopath and bringing on some herbalists, I think will be like the one step to really like answering any question that we would have. Like we want, yeah, everything is like super high integrity, but we, we want to just like not just skim what is the regulations. You know what I mean? Like we want to go like above and beyond. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And also like doing that right out of the right out of the gate, going above and beyond right from the get-go, like that also forms this trust with your customers. They can now trust you to deliver something that's high quality and that's actually good for them. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And how expensive would you say uh the process of starting a beverage company is yeah it's definitely like more expensive I would say like 
it's so interesting in this world of like e-commerce I feel like so many people just have like drop shipping brands or like kind of white labeling something else which I think that would never really speak to me myself just because I want to feel like I've created something beyond just like marketed something and like created more of what's already there um but people have built like amazing businesses that way and I think that's you can get really creative um but I would say it's like less expensive than you would think like we were we've been able to find some really good um manufacturing partners with like lower minimums we're able to be like pretty scrappy we're lucky that we have some really great people in our network that are like very excited about this and want to invest uh, but Julie and I like we're both young we don't have like buckets of savings to like invest into this or like plan for years and years with like some kind of crazy tech salaries or something so yeah it's been scrappy but it's not like not doable I would say everyone this is one piece of advice that every founder gives I'm sure every new founder that everyone thinks their industry is like the hardest like I've worked in like organic foods and they have always said like oh this is the hardest industry I've worked in like swimwear and that's the hardest industry media is the hardest industry like everyone thinks their industry is the hardest um so it's easy to get like intimidated by that and just not go with it but I think it's it's a privilege take like we're very lucky that we've been able to like start this business without a ton of savings but I would say there are ways that you can be creative like I don't think if you can like be smart about your money but like we're being like tight and scrappy like I am probably gonna like we're both actually probably going to move back in with our parents for a few months just to like take the pressure off we're both working as well like I am doing consulting so I'm able to prioritize the business and like be pretty full-time with that but she still has like a full-time job so it's it's not not doable and it's not like the most expensive thing I would say there are areas where I would love to spend more like I would love to like really invest in the branding and bring on like the most expensive agency but so many founders are like don't get like bogged down by that kind of thing um and I'll also say one really good piece of advice that founders have given me when I've been nervous about price stuff they have said that um but with pretty premium beverage brand where I maybe it's the way I've been raised my family is like quite frugal so I have been wanting to be like make everything as cheap as we possibly can just so our margins are low we can charge low for it but we want to have like a premium brand, like a premium product and premium like positioning. So other founders that I've talked to, especially in beverage, they're like, no, we've paid, like our ingredients are all the most expensive. Our packaging is the most expensive it could possibly be, but we charge for it and our margins make up for it. So don't be afraid of like actually investing in what you want because someone else will want to buy that. Like it's easy enough to mass produce something cheap. I don't know. That was so many pieces of advice, but it's expensive, but not honestly as like wildly expensive as I thought it would be. Yeah, that's definitely good to hear and probably very encouraging to hear for a lot of people. Um, I feel like that money aspect a lot of the times can feel like a barrier for people uh, who want to start a business and have a good idea for it. But sometimes they just can't get past this idea of like, oh, like I have to shell out my life savings to launch and be really successful and everything like that. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm pretty risk adverse. Like I'm lucky that I'm like, I would rather 
blow all of my money, but really try something and like feel good about it. And like, no, that was that. Like I'm young. Like I don't know. I'm, it's probably shake. Like I'm young. I don't have kids. I don't have a mortgage that I'm like, it's fine. Like my expenses are low. I'm so lucky that I have a family that would like support me if shit really hit the fan. Um, but there are so many ways to kind of like democratize, like starting a business, like Kickstarters. There are so many cool businesses that have started through Kickstarters. Um, and just, yeah, being really, really scrappy. I have friends who have started businesses that are doing like really, really well now that invested like $3,000. And I know that's like, for some people, like that is like a lot of money that could be going towards rent or could be going towards food, especially right now. But I think for myself, I would rather like not have any what ifs at the end of my life that I'm like, okay, to kind of go balls the wall, especially in a recession. It's like, an exciting challenge that there are so many like great businesses born through recession. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, for sure. That is exactly right. When it comes to, I guess, getting an expert opinion on your product development, like a consult, for example, do you have to pay a person to have a conversation with you about your development or your thoughts or your well I guess in your case not so much the ingredients because your co-founder is very well versed in that space but when it comes to some other aspects that you may not be able to hold the expertise and do you have to pay uh for someone to consult with you on that we don't know there are people that do like actually like work as consultants I think there's one guy sorry um, Michael Feta, I think is his name, but he's like so cool. He's all over my LinkedIn and he like consults with some food brands that we really love, but he charges like a thousand dollars for a call, which rock on, like I'm make your, get your bag, Mike. Um, <laughs> but the people that we speak with are just like super keen to help us. It's actually insane. Like how much they're willing to help. I kind of think we're just going to do like one chat, like maybe ask a few questions, like hear their story, whatever. Um, but people are like, yeah, like, let me know. Like, if you have any more questions, like we'll do like reoccurring calls more or less, which, um, maybe one day we would, so we have one advisor that we actually, are, we've brought on like more formally. Uh, she is like the best ever. She has a food brand that's, that's pretty big. And she's been just like the most help. I actually used to work for her company and she's been like so much fun to work with again and just really, really cares, but we have given her like equity um, and she's invested in the business. So it's kind of like a different relationship that way, but just these initial calls, we have not paid anyone and more than a Starbucks gift card. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I feel like that's in addition to that money piece. I feel like that's the other barrier, um, or I guess one of the many <laughs> barriers, um, that people feel exist when it comes to starting a business, especially one in a space that they themselves are not super familiar with is just how do I get that expert input, um, affordably? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think that like good people are willing to help out. I think like I really do like value and nurture my network. So it's typically not like the most cold of outreach, like a little bit more. I'm like, you've seen me commenting on their LinkedIn or something like that, but it's, um, yeah, people are really generous with their time and willing to help. Like even now, like I love doing calls with like students or people that want to get into marketing. Like 
it's a nice way to give back. I think like more or less, like most people are willing to do that for free, which is really wonderful. For sure. And starting a business is, you know, as I'm sure listeners can tell, very exciting as it is, but you and your co-founder are adding to a lot of that excitement um, by potentially bringing on a celebrity to your team. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So honestly, like this is like the thing I'm beating into, beating into this whole conversation is just like being so shameless with like asking for whatever like ask and you shall receive I think that's like from the bible <laughs> but I think it's very true like no one's gonna hand you anything um and I'm very shameless with my asks so I it's this is a life hack for anyone IMDB pro is very inexpensive and that's how you can like access like the network of celebrities so we'll get their like management teams like contact and everything and we were just early days we were like okay who would be our dream like imagine we had like a celebrity partner like Dakota Johnson is, I think, I don't know if she's co-founder, but she's creative director or something at Maud. Um, there's Bella Hadid at Kin Euphorix, Cami Mendez at Loops Beauty. There's just so many now that I think is really cool. I think it's a different way to like leverage celebrity and have celebrities be a part of business without starting their own. Um, so we just were like brainstorming like who would be our dream celebrity partners and just reached out like very simply, like it was intimidating to be like, okay, is this like ever going to get like recognized even in their inbox? But we got um, a response in like 20 minutes. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. So we've had some calls with her team and um, she's excited about it. We are like right now in negotiations of like what that like deal structure looks like and what that equity kind of split looks like all the things, which is exciting and intimidating. Like kind of valuing the business I feel like is is intimidating when we're like it would it's like a mutually beneficial thing but it's a risk on her part obviously to join and like you, you never know what's gonna happen so it's yeah it's been exciting it's like been one of those little moments that you're like okay we're on to something because she's excited about this so we'll see what ends up happening but it's been it's been fun yeah that's so exciting and you know I, I love that piece you said about just asking you shall receive it. It really can be like that sometimes. Um, I feel like me personally, one thing that I've learned throughout this whole process, just with speaking with founders, speaking with people who have built up this expertise um, in their fields throughout their careers is that there are just so many possibilities out there. And, you know, as cliche as this sounds, you will literally never know what is available out there to you, what opportunities you can be a part of until you just put yourself out there and try. Totally. Yeah. I'm so of the mindset of like, why not me? Like what, no one knows something that you don't, like you are just as capable and like just as successfully determined. I don't even know, but just as yeah, capable as anyone else that you might as well just like make yourself available and follow kind of your your intuition and like good vibes and very like Julie my co-founder is way more woo-woo than I am I'm pretty woo-woo <laughs> but I'm like if this feels good and it's meant to happen it will happen if it doesn't happen that's totally fine but I think it's like I don't want to eliminate myself from a conversation by not putting myself out there so I think that yeah what you said is like a really really good piece of that 
Absolutely. And Barbara Corcoran has this one tweet from like, I guess, years ago that I just have like screenshotted and like saved. But she was basically like, um, the more I try, the luckier I get, um, which is yeah. to me is just so interesting um, and motivating because, you know, the more you put yourself out there, the more you try to take a hold of opportunities you know not all of them may work out the right way for you but you keep learning from all of those experiences and eventually you will try something that ends up working out really well for you yeah exactly no it's it's a privilege take for sure but I think the more you do it the more um like the more comfortable you feel but I think yeah just being shameless and going for whatever you want I love that I love that tweet I need to go find it <laughs> I need to like send it to you I love yeah. it so much <laughs> so good and it's so true like I feel like there is and I think when you probably reflect inward it probably comes from insecurity but I think there is like you can look at other people and be like oh my god jealous and feel like oh they got so lucky and yeah like a lot of people kind of start at different levels of the playing field, which is luck inherently. But I think timing and hard work are are your own luck. Absolutely. Yeah. And preparation. Yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> I saw yet another quote that was <laughs> like, uh, like good luck is where preparation and opportunity meet. Yeah. I love it so much. Totally. No, I, I completely agree. And it's interesting. Like, I feel like I listen to so many founder interviews and all the things. And it's interesting hearing people's take on like how luck became a part of their conversation and part of their like journey. So I, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I'm a fan of creating your own luck, um, yeah. putting yourself in the path to receive those opportunities and to receive that good luck. And you know, a big part of that is actually taking action. You know, you can't yeah. be like, I want my favorite founder to DM me on LinkedIn yeah. for a coffee chat. Well, okay. Well, are you on LinkedIn interacting with their posts? Are you, yeah. you know, putting yourself, taking those steps to get yourself in the path for those opportunities, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's so true. And I feel like that like really speaks to like how I like live my life and really like manifest my life where it's like you can't just have a vision and kind of sit back you have to act within like the role that you want to have and like yeah start kind of like living to be the person that you want to be and kind of all of that I feel like it it's easy to like chalk up to luck but it's I think a lot of hard work and yeah placing yourself where you want to be because no one's no one's gonna yeah do it for you a part of that is also mentioned in atomic habits so i love how this just came mm -hmm. full circle right back to you know good daily habits yeah no it's so true i think like good daily habits are life-changing and i am like kind of out of routine right now i feel like my life has been like shifting to a new routine and i with the, the years and the months that i have like a really solid daily routine are like my happiest like totally my best mental health but I get so much more done like when I look to kind of times where I've made like hockey stick growth within my like life and career routine and like those daily habits yeah I think are like the secret to success and I'm definitely like not the first person to say something like that <laughs> amen to 
really good daily habits. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So what are some opportunities that you're currently seeing within the food and beverage space for consumer packaged goods? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I think there's so much like within, so I went to this food, um, food trade show in April. That was so much fun. And I'm trying to think of like what I saw that was like very trendy, obviously like there's so, there's so many, like, I feel like one person will do something revolutionary and then there's just so many like kind of knockoffs of that, which is hard. But <laughs> I don't know if you know, um, smart sweets, but she's like amazing Tara. We love her so much, but she did like, I think it's just like low sugar is like their whole thing, but it's like healthy kind of candy. And now it's like, there's a million out there. Um, but whole foods actually releases like trends of the year every year. And I'm trying to like, think back to any of them. Obviously, like functional foods, I think are really trendy. And I think that's going to become more of a thing. I think the non-alcoholic space will like continue to grow, hopefully. I it's interesting. My co-founder and I talk about this a lot because we don't really like position ourselves as like not like non-alcoholic. Obviously, it is non-alcoholic, but it's not like for like that's not really like a core pillar, is like an alternative to alcohol. But we talk about like see those articles come out all the time of like Gen Z doesn't drink as much like even myself like I have a brother that just turned 19 yesterday um but he like barely drinks and his friends like don't really drink so I kind of think that we're going towards that and I think we're gonna look to like alcohol and like the like binge drinking like of like years ago as like how back in the day like I feel like our parents age like everyone just smoked and that was like the thing I think we'll look back and be like what we're all doing um so Tam to say non-alcoholic um I think what else what else has been like really trendy yeah functional foods um there's so many I think like kind of just like elevating your little like daily kind of things where especially within the recession like I think it's kind of like the lipstick what is that the lipstick effect lipstick effect yeah yeah I think that's like coming into kind of things like food um like I think beverage in particular where like you're maybe kind of like a little bit like scrimping on your food where you're like okay this drink will kind of elevate my meal and be something special um I feel like yeah the little kind of just like elevated and like healthier spins those are not really going to go anywhere right now who's doing something that I'm like obsessed with I'm just like a sucker for beautiful packaging um like if you know like fishwife or grazia olive oil like I'm just like okay I'm sure the product is amazing but I'm like I just need it because so cute um <laughs> but Whole Foods has a really good report I don't honestly like I, I'm pretty like stuck in like exactly what we're doing and I'm like that's what's big um but I don't want everyone else to start <laughs> the same company so Whole Foods has a really good report every year that comes out on like the food trends so that's a really fantastic resource for anyone who's like, you know, been thinking about creating something in this space is to take a look at trend reports like the one from Whole Foods. I'm actually going to um, see if I can find it and link it in the show notes because um, that's a fantastic tip. Yeah, no, I feel like there are just so many things out there like that, that like founders know about. Like, it's kind of like that if you know, you know, like I'm not really mm -hmm. on my like daily dashboard but yeah I think that kind of stuff is so fun for sure and this has been an amazing conversation but to wrap things up 
Do you have any other pieces of advice for anyone who uh, is considering starting a business in the food and beverage space or uh, is already in those early stages of getting started? Um, I would say like for anyone like in CPG and really anything that feel saturated. I think this has been like a really good piece of advice that I've heard from other founders is that like nothing is like, I know a lot of people actually love influencers. will talk about this, but nothing is like too saturated, like your own unique like perspective and your own point of view, I think is so valuable and like there's room for everyone. But in that, like do something that's like very authentic to you. And I think, who was this? Hmm. I feel bad. I think it's um Jing Gao, I believe, said this piece of advice. She's the founder of Fly by Jing, where she's like, just stick to your own lane and do your own thing. Like, stop looking at all of the other, like, competition and, like, other brands starting and, like, thinking you're going to just kind of not rip off, but, like, we were saying kind of, like, just following, like, someone else's kind of business. I, you see them, like, with the exact same packaging and everything. It's crazy. But I think, yeah, there's there's space for everyone, but only if you're, like, really bringing your, like, authentic like true self um and like li not listening as much to the noise right like obviously following the trends or whatever like is happening in the macro environment but like staying true to yourself I think is why we have space for everyone and we don't have space for kind of just like replications of everything I don't know I don't know if that's a great piece of advice but <laughs> I actually love that piece of advice. I think it's the perfect thing to end on. <laughs> so Paige, thank you so much for talking to us today. Can you tell us where we can find you? Yeah. So everything is kind of linked out of just my personal Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. So beverage company, my podcast, all the things. Um, Paige, P-A-I-G-E and dot C-E-Y on Instagram and then obviously my first and last name on LinkedIn and I'm very receptive to DMs and I love to help anyone in any way that I can so would love to get in touch with any of your listeners and thank you so much Jasmine this was so much fun amazing thank you so much Paige hey friends thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the not rich yet podcast hit the subscribe button so Spotify or Apple or whatever platform you normally listen on knows that you enjoyed this podcast and so I know you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you're keeping up with us on Instagram so you can be the first to know when a new episode airs. We also post some resources that you can use along your wealth building journey. We're on Instagram as at notrichyetpod. And if you want to give me a follow too, I will not say no to that. I'm on Instagram as at thejasminesue. T-H-E-J-A-S-M-I-N-S-U. I do all the planning and sourcing and emailing and interviewing, but this podcast couldn't happen without a few extra hands. Not Rich Yet is produced by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and edited by Will Tereshock, founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and the founder of Will E.T. Productions. I'm your host, Jasmine Sucknanen, and I'll be back with more next week.